2: This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio.
1: Hello and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show that proves history waits for no one. I'm Gabe Lussier, and today we're looking at a controversial battle between the competing interests of free market capitalism, workers' rights, the U.S. war effort, and good old-fashioned stubborn pride. The day was December 27, 1944. The Roosevelt administration seized control of the Montgomery Ward Company for a second time. The successful retailer had repeatedly refused to comply with a wartime labor agreement, prompting employee strikes and threatening the supply chain for Allied forces. Sick of the company's disregard for federal authority, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt ordered his Secretary of War to seize all plants and facilities belonging to Montgomery Ward. The company was essentially run by the U.S. government for the bulk of the following year, An arrangement that tested the limits of federal power, as many of FDR's policies famously did. Two years earlier, Roosevelt had reinstated the National War Labor Board, an agency first created during World War I to mediate labor disputes in critical war support industries. Just as before, it was the board's job now to act as a middleman between management and workers, smoothing out disagreements in order to maintain high productivity. Montgomery Ward was primarily known for its mail-order catalogs and department stores, but during World War II, it also supplied the Allies with tractors, auto parts, clothing, and other items. As a result, the company fell under the jurisdiction of the National War Labor Board and was therefore required to maintain labor peace and avert strikes at any cost. During this period, the company's workers organized with the United Mail Order, Warehouse, and Retail Store Employees Union, which insisted on better hours and conditions, among other issues. However, the company's chairman, Sewell Avery, was staunchly anti-union, anti-government, and anti-New Deal in particular. In 1943... He refused to recognize or negotiate with the union and flat-out ignored the Labor Board's order to compromise. Then, the following April, Avery refused a second board order, prompting FDR to call out the National Guard to seize the company's main plant in Chicago. Troops entered the Montgomery Ward headquarters accompanied by Attorney General Francis Biddle, who tried one last time to get Avery to comply. The chairman's response was, quote, To hell with the government. I want none of your damned advice. With negotiations at an impasse, Biddle ordered two National Guardsmen to physically remove Avery from his office, which they did by lifting him out of his chair and carrying him out of the building, feet first. A now-famous photo preserved the incident for posterity, showing the two soldiers holding Avery in a sitting position, his arms crossed and his face defiant. Once the chairman was removed from the premises, the U.S. Secretary of Commerce, Jesse Holman Jones, was appointed as his replacement. As you might expect, Montgomery Ward challenged the government takeover in court. Meanwhile, as a federal judge considered the matter, Secretary Jones worked with the union to finalize its election and return the employees to work. Once everything was smoothed over, there was no longer a need for the government to run the company. So on May 9, 1944, Jones returned Montgomery Ward to private management, bringing the matter to a close before the court had even reached a decision on the legality of the seizure. FDR assumed the public debacle would get Montgomery Ward back in line with the war effort, but once Sewell Avery was returned to power, the labor situation quickly fell apart again. Once more, the chairman refused to recognize the union and by December of that year, employees in Detroit and Chicago had walked out in protest. Roosevelt was furious when he heard Avery's noncompliance had led to a strike, so on December 27, 1944, he issued an executive order instructing the Secretary of War to seize Montgomery Ward's properties for a second time. The president announced the action that same day, stressing that the government would, quote, not tolerate any interference with war production in this critical hour. He also made clear that the government would respond swiftly to such disruptions regardless of who caused them. Strikes in wartime cannot be condoned, he said, whether they are strikes by workers against their employers or strikes by employers against their government. The second seizure of Montgomery Ward was carried out simultaneously in New York, Michigan, California, Illinois, Colorado, and Oregon. This time, Avery wasn't carried out of the building, but was allowed to remain in his executive office, while Major General Joseph Byron and his staff occupied one nearby. That awkward arrangement would continue for the next year, with the general carrying out the day-to-day operations of Montgomery Ward and Avery looking over his shoulder disapprovingly. The tension even extended to the parking lot, where the two men waged a daily battle over Avery's reserved parking space. Of course, not everyone approved of the government's actions. Many of FDR's opponents in Congress and in the general public denounced the Montgomery Ward seizures as gross examples of government overreach and abuse of power. Others even argued that Montgomery Ward should never have been considered vital to the war effort in the first place. Sewell Avery made these arguments himself in a court of appeals, but in the end, the seizure was upheld as lawful. The company remained under government control for nearly a year, but it was ultimately returned to Avery in 1945 by FDR's successor, President Harry S. Truman. By that point, the war was over. So Avery would continue to fight tooth and nail against his own employees. He refused to give them pension plans out of fear that the post-war economy would soon collapse. And because he had grown so distrustful of the government, he began to hoard the company's cash rather than invest it. The result was that as other retailers expanded, Montgomery Ward grew stagnant. Eventually, the company was overtaken by competitors, Sears chief among them. Sewell Avery resigned his post in 1954, but by then, the damage was done. Montgomery Ward never returned to its former glory, and in late 2000, the company closed the last of its retail stores and ceased publication of its once-vaulted catalog. Since then, the company's intangible assets, its name, logo, and trademarks, have been purchased and revived by a direct marketing company. As a result, Montgomery Ward catalogs are now in print once again, and a new line of branded home and kitchen products is available online. Clearly, Montgomery Ward is not the retail giant it once was, but on the plus side, that makes a government takeover far less likely. I'm Gabe Lussier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can always send them my way by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.